0: you should have your outline of the message on the back of the bulletin if you got that you can follow along how many enjoy the first week of uh, the purpose-driven life how many read religiously the the, the the short chapters you know i was talking to pastor dustin he goes i don't like reading long periods of time but boy i tell you i've read every one of this because they are short I, how many like shorter ones But then longer ones, you know, they are just easy. But God is good this morning. So welcome to the second message of this series, uh, The Purpose Driven Life, that we are going together with our 40-day challenge. You know, sometimes when we talk about the purpose that we were created for, um, uh, we were created many times... We start at the wrong place. Some of the questions you're asked when you're a kid is like, what do you want to do when you grow up? I don't, sometimes we start that question with, with a wrong question. And so we end up with the wrong answer because we didn't ask the right question to begin with. It's not really about me, what I'm gonna, what I wanted to do in life because I did not create me. If I'm gonna find a purpose of uh, my life, it has to start with God. He has to start with my creator. And what did God, rather than asking, what do I need to do in this life? He's asking, God, what did you create me to do in this life? That's a better question. And I believe that God um, wants to reveal his purpose to us. We we are not an accident. Say, I'm not an accident. You are created in the image of God and with a purpose. And God put, gave you a purpose in life. What we looked at last week, the Bible uses the term purpose. It uses the word calling, which in the right translation, you find out that the purpose and calling are one and the same. They actually mean the same thing. And the calling is actually the word calling is used a lot more times than purpose in referring to the same thing, which means your, what, what on earth am I here for? Your assignment. What is God assigned me? The short term or the long life that I end up having here. What did he put me here on earth to do? Now, in the next five weeks, we're going to go on to looking at the five purposes of God. Number one today, we're going to look at the first purpose is we were created. Say, I was created to be loved by God. Let's say that one more time. I was created to be loved by God. Now, that is a very, very interesting statement right there. And sometimes we miss that. That We were created (laughs) because God wanted to love us. The very reason that you exist today is that God wanted to love you. The number one purpose of your life, it's not to give something to God. It's actually to receive something from God. You would have never thought about it in those ways. we we'll thinking think in terms of sacrifice, what can I do? Was it a JFK that says, you know, it's ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. That's a great profound statement. But with God, we got to look at it another way. It's not what I can do for God. It's not to believe God. It's not to even love God. The very first purpose that God created you and I is so that He can love us. Is to actually receive something from God. We kill ourselves. We go through a lot of trouble trying to appease the gods in every culture. There's that uh, thing that you know there's a connection. Somehow there's an emptiness inside of us when God hasn't really completed us. We are always searching, and life doesn't have meaning until that void in our hearts is filled by the only one that can fill that void, and that is God. And He didn't create us to be His servants. He didn't create us to be His slaves. He didn't create us to be His missionaries. He didn't create us to do stuff for Him, to be soldiers, to fight for Him, to die for Him. None of all those things He created us simply to love us. In Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible says this. Listen to this verse. It's in your notes there. I hope. I don't know if I put all the verses. I had a lot of verses. But you should have a few on, your, on the back of your bulletin. Okay? It says that long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. Now think about that. I want you to stop and think for a minute. That before he created the universe... Before any of the creation story that comes in Genesis chapter 1. Before God said, let there be light. And the light was there. Before all that was happened. Long before he created everything. That God, even before that, God loved us. He loved you before you were born. He loved you before you ever created anything. In other words, that God created Everything. He created the universe. Created the planet earth. Made it conducive for our habitation. So that you can have a place to be. And so that he can express to you. How much he actually loves you. It says that before he made the world. God loves us and chose us in Christ. To be his holy. And without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan has always been. That from the beginning. He wanted us. To adapt us into his family. And the Bible says. Another verse. It says that this. God gave God. Gave, God, God, gave God <laughs> pleasure. He actually enjoyed doing that. He had the foreknowledge. Of all the mistakes we will make in our lives. He had the foreknowledge. Of the first scene. And everything that will come after that. But yet he still chose to create us. So he can express his love towards us. Now, some of you have never really thought of it in that way. Think, what can I do for God? It is really not about God. It is not about that. Not about service. Not about trust. Not about faith. Not about even obeying God. It's simply to receive and accept his love. Um, um, I want you to, to get this in your mind. I want you to get it not just here, get it in your heart. Because that one truth, when it's right in the way we think about it, when it's right in the way we understand it, would absolutely revolutionize your life. It absolutely change your life and impact your life for more positive ways than you could ever imagine. That God, the creator of the universe, the omnipotent, The everlasting God, the King of all kings, Lord of lords, thinks that way about you. He made you as an individual, not a single soul. There is not a duplicate of you. Specifically designed you, and crafted you in his image. That he loves you that much. And one of the things that we can learn, and sometimes it's hard to learn, but we need to is to learn how to accept and receive God's love. My wife uh, has passion for the orphans. Oh my goodness. Even when we're engaged, um, she's like, well, we need to adopt that boy. We aren't in a marriage yet. I'm like, wow, you know, <laughs> let me go pray about it. I need to fast for many days, uh, you know. And, you know, and if I let her, you know, she should adapt ten sh- orphans, she should... She went to nursing school at the time. She went to college and started to be a nurse only for the purpose of being able to take care of orphans. She didn't even know that there was a shortage of nurses at that time and that she could actually make good good money and get some bonuses to pay off her student loans just because they needed more nurses at the time. She went in so she can use her skills and her training to help orphans. And So I'm telling you that because orphans have been a part of my life since I started dating my wife, uh, you know. And so, but I can tell you, we've been to orphanages in many different countries. She's taking care of orphans in India, in Africa, in, 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 here in the United States. But there are some things that happen when a child has not had those the, the loving care from the very beginning. There's something that gets missed. And sometimes that child can even get adopted into a family And they have to go through a process of learning to be loved. Because that affection is not normal. When a child is brought up and born into a loving family and cared for, that's just normal. But when that's taken, even when you're adopted, sometimes you have to learn to be loved. And you can hug a kid and you realize, he doesn't even know how to be hugged. How to receive just a good hug. Because... They don't have that. And sometimes we walk in this planet and we are beat up enough that we don't even understand how to be loved by God. We don't even understand how to receive, because we try to put all these filters on the way we understand love, and God God's love is something you hear, you understand it. Here's like yeah, I know God's love you i had this all my life. And the very fact that that statement is boring says you don't really get it. You haven't gotten it yet. Because if you really get it, you will be so excited by it. And I want to start truth to think because it has been taught throughout Scripture. And if you look at it, you'll realize that it's everywhere in the Bible from the very first story to the end. That story has been told and all our lives, God has been trying to help us understand that. This scripture, however big the book might look, all the stories that you hear, even negative ones, you would find that in it, God is trying to get our attention, expressing that it's, there's much more to it than rules, regulations, religion and all that. God is after relationship. And the relationship that he wants for you and me is not a relationship of servants, helpers, whatever you put the name in. It's a relationship of a son and a daughter. Have you ever wondered sometimes, why does Satan hate me so much? Because you and I have an opportunity to become not just that not even as angels. Not servants of God, but children of God in the family. I watched the movie Lincoln some time back. And it's amazing to see this powerful man in the world in the most trying time of our country, sitting in the over office, talking to the secretary of war during the civil war, and his little kid, Tad. people are waiting in line to meet the president. But the little kid walks right in, sits on daddy's lap. And he would stop the conversation with all the big names and all the important things and attend to the, the child. Why? Because it's family. It's a little closer. And we have to look at God that way. To find the purpose of your life, to understand the first purpose, is that you're not just anybody to God. You are a son. You are a daughter of God. And the scripture, you know, one of the most amazing verses I, I love reading is Jude. The book of Jude. Um, uh, I like to mention these small books in the Bible. It's probably, I think it's the smallest book. And because, uh, you know, for past, part of the reason I don't want our people to go to heaven and be embarrassed. You know, Jude shows up and says, hey, dude, how'd you like my book? Who that? You're in the Bible? I know that. You don't get there and be embarrassed. You can say, hey dude, I checked out your Bible. Your book is actually my favorite. It was the shortest book. I loved it. You know. So but chapter one of of the book of Jude says this. It says, This letter is from Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Tell you what, friends, this that statement we read right there is one of the most humble statements that have ever been penned. See, Jude, notice what he says. He says, this is a servant of Jesus Christ, a brother of James. What you want to realize is that Jude was actually the brother of Jesus. See, Mary and Joseph, Jesus was all miraculous birth, a virgin birth and all that, and we celebrate Christmas and we close that chapter. But the Bible talks about Mary and Joseph, they had other children and you read about them in the Bible. Jude was one of them, James was one of them. And many of these guys did not even believe Christ was who he was. His siblings didn't come to him and became followers of Christ until after his resurrection. Can you imagine if your brother was Jesus? In the over Christmas I watched a movie, I forget what it was with the kids, but it was the brother of Santa. As like just a I thought, man, this was brilliant. It was just a different angle whoever wrote it. it was awesome. I was like, the kid was just perfect. He did well. When he got his birthday money, he helped everybody with it. He did, you know, every and brother was always wrong. Can you imagine like your brother is Jesus in your fight? He's like, Mom, he did it again. Wait, solo, your brother is Jesus. He is always right. He probably had a chip on his shoulder, a little angry, had this thing going on. Brother is always right. Even when mama and papa are wrong, brothers right. They didn't see Jesus as the saviour of the world, joy to the world, the angels sing. He was just a brother. And every dispute he always won. He get me to get you upset and maybe didn't even like him that much. But when Christ was resurrected, he got the revelation. And his siblings came to serve him. And when he he writes his letter, he calls himself a servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James. If any guy would have been a name dropper, this guy would have been an ultimate name dropper. (laughs) can tell you, my brother is, man. (laughs) Jesus. But he wasn't. But here, listen to what he says. He says that this letter is from Judah, servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James. I am writing to all who are called to live in the love of God. I want you to underline that word again, call and purpose. I am writing to all who are called to live in the love of God the Father. The love of God the Father, which is in the care of Jesus Christ. We are called to be loved by Him, and that love is demonstrated in the life of Jesus Christ. So, if my calling is to be, if my purpose is to be loved by God, then really my calling, one of the best things, the most important thing I can learn, is really to enjoy learning how to enjoy and to receive fellowship, to enjoy fellowship with God. It is not. I said one time. If you don't get anything today, get this. God did not create you to do anything for him. No sacrifice, no offering, no service, nothing. If you get the first one wrong, you miss out on all the other ones. You got to get this one right. He created you to be a son and a daughter. And it says that, I love First John Three, I use this one in December uh, that says, "What incredible quality of love the Father has shown to us that we should be named and called and counted the children of God." That's the amplified version. If you really want to amplify the meaning, I love that Bible. To be called, counted the children of God, so that we and so we are. Amen. Sometimes the way I like to put it this way. Quit trying to figure out or to absolutely understand God's love because we don't have the capacity. Our brain doesn't have a capacity to handle that knowledge. It has to be translated from our head knowledge to our heart knowledge and receive it by revelation and faith. It's like an am trying to figure out the internet. Our brains don't have the capacity to actually understand the depth of God's love. Here's what the Bible, another scripture says, that uh, understanding, we need to understand how wide, how long, how high, how deep is God's love for you. God's trying to get us to understand that. It is wide enough, you ask how wide, wide enough to be everywhere. There's not a place on the planet that you can go where the love of God is not. The love of God is in the bars where people are drunk. It's in the red light district where bodies are being sold. It's in the darkest places of the world. The love of God still is there. It's like, oh, I don't feel it there. It doesn't matter because if you don't see it there. There's so many things in life that you don't see, but it doesn't negate the reality that they do exist. Right now, there's waves Radio waves going transmitted through the air and through your body. Don't see them, don't feel them, you don't use any of your senses to to actually, but we know they're there. If you have the right receiver, you'll be listening to the next game and who's going to win today? Pictures are being transmitted through the airwaves. We don't see those, but they're transmitted color pictures in this TV is going across. We don't see them. Do they exist? Absolutely. Atoms. We know that they exist. You can't see an atom. But most things in life, we don't see them. Just because you don't see God's love in action in a certain place, it does not mean that it does not exist. There is not a place you can go. There is not a place you can go on this planet that God's love is not there. Why do you think the scripture, so many times, there are so many verses that remind us over and over and over and over again that I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will be with you always to the very end. Do not fear because I am with you. Because God knows we will go to streets that are not so fun, but He says, "Do not be afraid. I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you." God is with you. His love is with you all the time. I think it is also, um, uh, <clears throat> it is also um, um, long enough to last forever. Long enough to last forever. Human love ends. It fades away. It's that's why we have divorces. You mean people that are so in love with each other, nothing else on earth exists when they are two. How I many of you have been engaged and you know that phrase? This, But then end up sometimes be the worst enemies of each other. So human love doesn't last forever. But God's love is everlasting. It lasts forever. In fact, in Isaiah, the prophet says, you know, even a mother can abandon her own child. There's no love like a mother's love in the world that we know of. But God will never abandon those who he loves. The love of God is so deep. Deeper than any problem that you might find yourself in. Deeper than any pit that you find yourself in. say, oh, I feel like I'm in the pits of it. I'm down there. It is low. It's even lower than that. In your lowest of places, God's love is deep enough to cover you. And it is high enough to overlook every fault in your life, every sin you ever committed. Feel like you're messing up your life over and over there. Get a second chance. I messed up the second chance. Got a third chance. I messed up even that. Imagine God knew that would happen and he still chose to create you and he still chose to love you. He is not surprised at one bit about your life. But he's not giving up on you. He's not never giving up on you. You might give up on you, but God will not give up on you. So, if we understand that, if we receive God's love, how is that supposed to change our lives? It actually will transform your life. I want to give you a few things. You know, last time I gave you eight points. I mean, see, so that was a little of a stretch. Cause I figured, I, you know, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do that to you today. So you can owe me a cup of coffee after this. I'm going to give you five, five, five things that will change in your life if you really let the love of God sink in and understand how much God loves. When you learn how to just let God love you. Number one. I will feel accepted. Rather than ashamed. I will feel accepted. Rather than ashamed. Most people. Go through their entire life. Avoiding God. The reason they avoid God. Is because they feel ashamed. They feel. If God is so perfect. Why do I want to hang around with God and I'm not perfect? Because all that's going to do to me is just going to expose how imperfect I am and then that's going to make me feel bad about myself. Why? So people avoid God naturally because they feel ashamed. They may not necessarily connect those thoughts, but that's really what happens. Now take it to the Bible. The very first story of the Bible of Adam and Eve. They have fellowship with God they talk to God, they have no barrier between them and God. They fall into sin, they disobey God with one commandment. They say, so we got our work cut out for us. Those guys only had one commandment in a perfect world. They lived in paradise and they still blew it. Don't feel so bad for yourself. You come back to God when you blow it. If he didn't take, snap you out and take you out of the planet, he's still giving you another chance. And they blow it in the perfect world. But God starts the process of redemption. What was their first response? When God comes to them, the Bible says, before, they didn't even know there was any such thing as clothes. But all of a sudden, they feel this sense of protecting and covering their shame. Which didn't even exist before. Because sinfulness brings that sense of shame in our lives. And coming to a holy God. It's very, very uncomfortable. And that's why people avoid God. Because it's associated with shame. Because we are imperfect. We are sinful. But through Christ, we are made acceptable to Him. Jesus said that I did not come to the world to condemn the world. I came to the world that the world may be saved. So he didn't come to condemn. He came to save us. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you from your sin. He didn't come to condemn. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So who's, where does the condemnation come from? Your enemy, Satan. Romans 5 1 says, by faith we have been made acceptable to God. And not because uh, uh, and now because of the Lord Jesus Christ, we live in peace with Him. I came to the service this morning a sinner. Probably seen times that I didn't even know. Deliberately and not unintentionally. But I can worship Christ. Why? I can worship God. Why? Christ paid the price. He made it so that I can have peace with God. And that's why understanding that love gets you to be a worshiper. I remember someone asked me, why do you get so excited about worship and praise? I was thinking about how wonderful God has been to my life. I was thinking about how gracious He has dealt with me. How much He has shown his affection on me. How much he believes in me. And the natural expression that I can have is to really worship him with all of my heart and everything that I can do. It's a natural expression of when you appreciate and receive God's love. So rather than being ashamed, we have this sense of, of, of acceptance. You know, many times in our lives, There's this thing that we do to want to be accepted. We live our lives trying to please somebody. The pressures of the Joneses, sorry Terry Jones. The pressures of peer peer pressure. We want to look like everybody, look like we fit. We want to be accepted. Sometimes pleasing people. It's a difficult thing if you're bound into a life of pleasing people. You talk the way you do to be accepted. You dress the way you do to be accepted. So many things we do in life just to gain the approval of others. Parents, boyfriend, God, whatever it might be, society at large. Not look like a weirdo. I want to be accepted. But when you understand God, what God's love is for you, you would need the acceptance of nobody to gain approval. You don't need the approval of anybody to live your life. It absolutely frees you. Completely frees you. And you live your life in freedom and not uh, care about criticism and all that. You know, I uh, people in authority get criticized a lot. Pastors get criticized a lot. I've seen it. I married a pastor's daughter and I became a pastor myself. And it's just, just, I don't care. You criticize all you want. If he loves me and I love me, then that's your problem if you don't love me. And if you let that, if you let people bother you, you will live all your life frustrated and you're never going to be able to please some people. They are unpleasable. So quit trying to please not everybody. Keep trying to look for acceptance. Just receive God's love and be content with that. And your life will be so much better. When you go back to that crazy boss, oh yeah, whatever. Don't let, I had to throw that one out there, you know. Some bosses are from heaven and some are from the opposite thereof. Number two. You know, you know it. Don't act holy here. You know what you feel about some people. But don't, don't quit trying to, to please them. You, you are, enjoy that who you are in God and live your life and do your best and just have life. If they have a problem, they will be frowning alone. Because you're going to have a party and an exciting life with God who loves you. Secondly, if I understand God's love, I become bold in bringing my needs to God. It changes the way I pray. The prayers of dear God, I hope so. If it is your will, I hope, I hope that... No, you don't pray that way when you know God's love. You're not just a God servant; you're a family. When my kids want something from me, they go, "Oh, Father, the Mighty One, the 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 banker who can't hold of our family." So God, you know, I'd like a scooter. There's a confidence that comes in understanding your Father loves you, and you approach God differently. You pray differently. Because you're part of the family. And you know your rights that you owe me. You have kids, you know how they come to you. They don't build you. Well, maybe they build you up a little bit, but they don't, typically, in a good, healthy family, or unhealthy, I should say. But anyway, it changes how we pray and we are bold in our prayers. Romans 8 says. All who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So you should not be coward like fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children adopted into His family, calling Him dear Father. Uh, the translations, the older translations uses the word Abba, Father. Which is a Middle Eastern, and Aramaic word, a Middle Eastern term for not just Father, it's Daddy. I was walking down here coming into the service and my little one, my two-year-old Eli, saw me. Daddy! Just yelled. And, and I was moving, doing something. He followed me around, chased me around, you know. But he does not do anything. But he knows I'm his daddy. He knows that I love him. And sometimes we need to be like the two-year-olds to God, chasing him around everywhere. He goes. And you know, he already knows the things that you need in your life. He's not surprised. And Father knows best. And this is a perfect heavenly Father. He knows best. He knows what's best for your life. And He watches out for us. He likes. To, he wants to do you good, my friends. Sometimes <clears throat> things happen in life. And we don't. That we don't understand. Which kind of leads me to number three. Which I have peace in pain I do not understand. When I know how much God loves me. He gives me peace in my life. Even in pain that I cannot understand. It is so hard to not know. I wish I could know, I could have all certainty that this will go well. But we don't. And if I told you everything in your life would be perfect, that you'd have no trouble, you would have no problems, Run away from city church because I'll be preaching a false... You need your refund. You need everything you've invested. You need it back because that's not true. Believers and non-believers alike in this imperfect world that we live in suffer the same thing. We get sick. We lose people. We go through trials just like anybody else. The difference is on the people that understand God's love is that you could have peace in your toughest times. Even when you, can, you cannot explain it. Sometimes even the explanation doesn't do anything. Just give you more reasons to worry because they're too big for you but we want an explanation. What did that do anyway? Can I just say that front? For one, God doesn't need, doesn't owe you an explanation. He's God and I'm not. But I can be sure of this. But he loves me. And he causes all things to work together for the good of those who love the Lord. And so when that happens and I don't understand it. And there's a reason he didn't make me understand it. So I'm not quit trying to understand it. But I'm going to say it is well with my soul. You know that um, uh, hymn that has blessed uh, people, churches of all denominations for over 200 years. It is well with my soul. Powerful, powerful hymn. I can't pronounce his name, Horatio Spafford, wrote, penned the words of that hymn in a very, very difficult time of his life. In fact, in 1870, he had just lost his own son, his only son. A year later, there was the Great Fire of Chicago, you read in your history, he lost a lot of his money, his business money there. In 1873, he lost more money during the economic downturn. And in that same year, he was going to go to Europe with his family, his wife and his four daughters. But because of the fire that had happened in Chicago, he sent off his family ahead because he had to deal some things with the city, zoning stuff with all the fire. He stayed back. The ship had an accident, started sinking. He lost his four daughters. His wife only survived. She wrote, sent a telegram that said, "Saved alone." On his way to meet his wife, after, on the ship heading on to past the Atlantic, right where around where the his children had died, he penned the words of that hymn. "It is well with my soul." When peace, like a river, attendeth my way. When sorrow, like seas, billows roll. Whatever. My Lord, thou hast taught me to say, It is well. It is well with my soul. He didn't even try to understand it. Sometimes we get tired and disappointed and discouraged. We we'll let fear come into our lives. We we'll lose our trust in God over little things because someone told you. Prove it. Why? You gotta know this, not here. Allow it to sink in your heart. I know that your Father, God. Your Father. He means to do you good. And He causes all things to work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Those two words again. I said last week, you know, living 10,000 miles away from your family, nine hours, time difference. Sometimes you get those calls in the middle of the night and you're thinking, jeez, what is this car? And you think, wow. And they also find out just brother forgot that there's a time difference. He just saw something funny. I was like, hey, hey, hey. I was gonna, you woke me up, dude. You woke me up. It was, the dream was so good. And you just ruined it. But you always wonder, you know, what is our car going to be? I remember, four years ago, driving on Old Chain, you just right up near Christ place there, I get a call from my sister, and said, Dad has passed on. I pulled off in the parking lot of Christ's place. I just cried. I'd seen my dad the year before. I talked to him about six hours, a couple hours before that. And we just talked and he says, hey, Amen. He had this kind of flu thing that would not leave, but he thought, I'm going to go see the doctor today. And so we talked and stuff. But I didn't know that that was the last time. And the words still echo in my, in my ears, the last words, because it wasn't like, hey, I'll see you when we get to heaven sometime. He was like, yeah, I'll talk to you tomorrow here. It's my daytime. I'm going to do some stuff. I'll, I'll give you a call. Hopefully you feel better. And that was it, and two hours later I get that call. My dad knew the Lord, he had come to Christ, and so he was well with my soul, and he uh, probably wouldn't come back after he met Jesus. But one of my desires is, I'd seen him the year before, that I hadn't gotten to get some of my kids over there to see him. So I was planning the following year to go, and so that was like a big void that was missed. I wanted him to meet my kids, the ones that he had not met yet. And so, anyway, but I tell you what, it is still well with my son. Well, I don't understand everything. I've talked to parents that I've lost. There are many things that are difficult in life to understand. But the Bible says the peace of God passes our understanding. That even in the midst of your deepest pit, things that you cannot understand, God's peace can still be in your life. And be well with your soul for not understanding. I just have moved on to that place where, Lord, I don't understand it. I'm not even going to try. But yes, Lord, it is well with my soul. Because I know that one day he'll explain. It's like, wow, that is awesome. How many of you have ever like applied for a job or something, went for something that you didn't get? Maybe try to buy a house or whatever it is. And at the time you're feeling, oh man, I wish I had this for me. And then in many years later, some things that better opens up or whatever, and you put the connection together, wow, I'm sure glad I didn't go there. Or a relationship that didn't go, went sour. And you're thinking, boy, why, why is this happening to me? And then you come later and say, wow, I'm sure glad. (laughs) Sometimes tell my wife, man, I'm glad I didn't. Marry that woman. <laughs> I saw, you know, okay. You know, you all, but God has your life designed. And as you follow him, he works all things for God. Because if you love him, again, again, that, that word is attached to it. For those who love God, because you can only love God if you really understand how much he loves you. See, the scripture says that we love him because he first loved us. Fourthly, when I understand God's love, and I'm going to wrap it up soon here. I gain the courage to take risks. Not to know anything. When someone really believes in you, especially if you think of yourself as a kid. When you have parents that are very encouraging. Boy, you're so good at that. When you do it, it's like. It gives you the wind, it gives you the energy, it gives you the courage to, to believe in yourself and be able to take risks. So what if I fail? Is it the end of the world? No, there's one lesson learned. Think about Abe Lincoln. How many times did he fail? And then ends up being the best president ever was in the most important time of the nation's history. And he failed So many times in attempting political office. But he never saw it that way. He used it as an opportunity to learn. How can I grow from this situation? How can I learn from this situation and be a better person? All through that, God was preparing him to have the stamina and the resolve he needed to be a pillar in a nation that was about to break apart. And he held it together. Sometimes your trials, I don't think about this, when you're tried and tested so many times. Rather than thinking, why is this happening to me? We you think about it differently. That's how much faith God has in you. Because he believes in you. He believes that you are able to get through and endure whatever crisis, whatever problems you have in your life. He has faith in you. That's how he allowed those things because he said that he will never allow any temptation that is greater, that there is no way of escape for you. The greater, the more intense the trial, the more faith God has in you in able to endure whatever it is. And when you come out on the other side, you come out a better man, a better woman that can help many, many, many people through your experiences. My last one... um, That's why I gave you scriptures there because I can't read them all. You think this was five. Aren't you happy I didn't do eight? But the response is what I touched on it earlier. Number five. I worship instead of worry. I worship instead of worry. Help me out. I worship instead of worry. Help me talk time and time again. I say, oh, let's stand out. Let's lift our voices. Let's worship. What you're talking about? It's really just expressing your love to God. Don't have anybody to teach you that. There's no right way to worship. There's no right ways to say, you express, when you allow God to love you and you let that sink in, it's a natural thing. God, I just, I am so in awe of you. You don't have to use particular language of particular time. It just has to come from your heart to the Lord. And when we sing here and clap and raise our hands, it's not just a ritual, my friends. It's, it helps us to be able to get our, our focus off of the things of the world and focus on Him and set our affection on Him. Express our appreciation. Express our awe of Him. I never think up what I'm going to worship, but I'll enter into a place of worship anytime, any day, anywhere. In my car, in the church, while I'm driving, when I'm doing dishes, whatever I'm doing, I can worship God because that's how much I feel about Him. And I want to express it. He gave you the voice, He gave you the hands, He gave you the mind to comprehend what you're saying. He gave you all the things you do so you can express also back when you allow that love of God to sink in, you become a worshiper, not a warrior. Jesus said, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about the things that you would eat, the things that you would drink. Don't worry even on your clo- Don't worry about all those ordinary things of life. Let me just tell you, my friends, your father, he doesn't say God. He says, your father already knows the things that you need. We're going to stand up and worship this morning. In fact, I'm going to invite you to stand up with me. Worship to me. You come to the front. When I pray here, take a few moments here to worship the Lord. And I want you to worship your God, your Father. Tell Him how much you love Him. They're going to lead us in a few songs in a few moments here. Let us just, let God look at 5001 South First Street in Lincoln, Nebraska. In amazement. And just say, I love it. I love it. I love it. You see, here's what the scripture says. That God is searching the earth. He's looking for worshippers that would worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, sincerely from the bottom of your heart. And let him come over and say, I'm pleased with the worship of this place. Okay? Let us pray for a moment. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Father, I thank you. You have shown us absolute love. As the Bible says. That you demonstrated. Your own love towards us. While we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Father we are receiving that love. Open your heart. Open your hands towards him. And just receive God's love right now. Raise your hands towards heaven right now. And just receive God's love. Maybe you haven't felt that love lately. But right now, God is depositing that assurance in your heart of the love. Father, I pray that you cause your love to be poured out to your children. These people here, standing here, that your children, your sons, your daughters. We ask, Lord, that you breathe upon us afresh today. January 18th, 2015. Breathe upon us by your Holy Spirit, the love of God which is in Christ Jesus let every worry, let every fear, let every unbelief, let every doubt be dissipated in the overwhelming power of your love today. I pray that you will breathe by your Holy Spirit upon every heart today that the love of God will reside in our hearts in the name of Jesus I pray. Now receive the love in Jesus' name. With every eyes closed to and every head bowed. There's some people that I want to pray a special prayer for. Today, You don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You've never once received that love personally. You've never committed your life to Jesus Christ. The best way you could do that is by asking him to come into your heart. And with every head bowed in this sanctuary, I have mine open because I want to pray a special prayer for you. You want to ask Jesus into your heart. You want to ask him into your life. I want you to stretch your hand where you are because I'm going to pray a special prayer for you. And you might be, at one time, you walked in his love. But right now, you're far from him. But you just want to say, Lord, I want my life. I want to give you my life again. If that's you, I want you to stretch your hand so I can see it. Because I want to pray a special prayer for you here before we sing. Anybody? Thank you. God bless you. Anybody? Indicate it to me so I can see it. Because I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Thank you. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. Church, I'm gonna ask us to pray this prayer together. Help those that raise their hands, let's pray together. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I understand today.
1: I understand today
0: how wide, how wide, how deep, how deep, how great is your love for me. Today I open my heart to you.
1: Today I open my heart to you
0: to receive your love in my life.
1: To receive your love in my life.
0: Thank you, Jesus. For dying on the cross for my sin.
1: For for my Today, I
0: Today I accept your forgiveness. And I receive your love.
1: I, your love.
0: I commit to living for you. The best, with the best, ability, the
1: best of my ability.
0: As I worship you.
1: As I worship you.
0: In this world. This Fill my life. With your, presence with your presence and with your love with your love in Jesus' name. In Jesus
1: name.
0: Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Let's sing that song. Sorry, one more time. Sorry, I'm seeing your notes there. But anyway, as we are singing these songs, these altars are gonna be open. The folks on the side here are here to pray. If you need prayer and you need someone to just pray with you go there but the altars are open it's going to be free worship for a little bit we're going to worship the Lord and just uh, I'll come back and we can close the service alright
1: my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest praise But wholly trust in Jesus' name. Sing that again. My hope is built on nothing less Than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. seems to hide his face. I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy case, Christ alone That again when he shall come with trumpets. In the saviors of love. every eye Be still in the presence of the Lord and just. Um, Thank just you, Lord. For, you. Just for who He is our lives,
0: and for His love for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. When you're worried in your life, you have forgotten that God loves you. When worry starts creeping in, in your life. Stop right there and remember that you are loved. Allow that truth to penetrate your life and don't worry about anything in your life. Just when it starts to sneak in, you stop. You stop and allow God's love to penetrate your life. Father, I thank you for your blessing over your people. I thank you for your peace that passes understanding. Every worry, every fear, every doubt, every discouragement. We lay it at the fruit of the cross and we receive and accept your love in our lives today. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen and Amen. That warrants a clap offering, a shout of praise, a singing. You can go crazy right now in the name of Jesus. As you go home, we're going to close out with this song and you're gonna be dismissed stay as long as you want but we're gonna close with this song as we praise all right god bless you if you need to be somewhere you're dismissed but you can sing and praise god as long as you want